Welcome back to another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. On this episode, we'll be talking to Net Forecast. I recently had the chance to catch up with Alan Jones. He is the Chief Technologist of Net Forecast. They are an independent provider of in-depth analysis and reporting on internet performance and user experiences. Net Forecast was first established in 1999 and its customers provide internet service to over 62% of the nation's broadband internet subscribers, according to their website. The company also recently started getting to more providing in-flight internet quality of experience scores and providing metrics and basic methods for airlines to measure the performance of their in-flight internet services. Uh, Mr. Jones was also a speaker at our Connected Aviation Intelligence Summit earlier this year. And in this episode, we discussed with him some of the key points from his presentation and how Net Forecast is helping airlines measure the quality of experience of passenger in-flight internet sessions. So let's get into our discussion with Alan Jones, Chief Technologist, Net Forecast. So Alan, can you start by giving us some background on who Net Forecast is and also your position and role with the company? Of course, uh, and thank you for having me. Um, you know, Net Forecast is a company that's involved primarily in measuring internet performance. Um, we have done this, um, you know, for terrestrial companies like, um, you know, the your big ISPs, you know, the Comcasts and Cox of the world. Um, the company has been in business for over 20 years. It was founded by Peter Sefcek, who is a, a longtime industry expert. And, um, you know, we've been involved in internet performance. We have been uh, very involved in the audit of, um, you know, usage, uh, you know, consumer bite usage. And in 2019, we got involved in the um, satellite and particularly the airline industry, um, you know, measuring internet performance in that venue. Um, I think, uh, as I said, those are our main businesses, um, you know, looking at internet performance for terrestrial, cellular, and, you know, satellite-based networks. I myself, my, my title is Chief Technologist. I have a long history in um, testing networks, um, and I joined NetForecast about five years ago. Excellent. Okay. And you, 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 know, you mentioned 2019 there. You know, um, could you expand a little bit and say, what are some of the main services NetForecast is providing to commercial aviation? And also kind of as a follow-up to that, um, you know, are, are you currently working with any commercial airlines or in-flight in internet service providers or other aviation players that our audience might be familiar with? Um, we are currently working with um, some airlines, um, as you might, and our primary um, interaction with them is to measure in-flight connectivity. Um, as you might imagine, that's relatively sensitive information. So all of our contracts require that we don't, you know, disclose who we're working with. But um, I will say they're major airlines. Um, we also, um, you know, are developing a product to help uh, 
measure the performance of the networks that the ground crews use uh, because the flow of information from, you know, the, the under wing personnel is having a larger and larger impact on like on time departure and these kinds of, you know, activities in, in the airline industry. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I wasn't aware of that, that, you know, um, you think of in-flight internet service, obviously as a passenger, just as, you know, using the, maybe using your mobile phone in the cabin, but there are all these different other services and use cases, especially, you know, for, for operations like ground crew. Um, now, you know, net forecasts actually appeared at our Connected Aviation Intelligence Summit earlier this year. Uh, and gave a very interesting presentation. And that's some of the information we really want to focus on in this you know, uh, podcast episode today is one of the things that you mentioned in your presentation at our event, uh, you know, building on this service that you provide in terms of measuring in-flight internet uh, experience and performance, um, you know, is that network metrics are essentially the building blocks of measuring passenger in-flight internet experience, which is very and becoming very important for airlines as, you know, uh, more passengers just kind of get used to the availability of in-flight internet. Can you start by defining exactly what those basic metrics or building blocks are and why are they so relevant to measuring a passenger's in-flight internet session? Of course, we, we measure four things. We measure latency, which is essentially round trip time. How long if my device initiates a packet, does it take to get to the server and back, assuming that there's no delay at the server end? We measure loss, um, you know, in terms of both what happens if that packet, you know, does not make its, you know, trip all the way back and we have to resend it. And in terms of, um, you know, service interruptions, because uh, with satellite, uh, geosynchronous satellite internet, um, you know, there's handoff between the satellites, uh, you know, you're traveling in the plane, the plane moves, all of these kinds of things. So unlike, um, you know, your cable service, service interruptions are definitely more common. We also measure DNS name lookup, a domain name servers. This is where it takes a name like facebook.com and turns that into an IP address. And, you know, I'll kind of elaborate on why that's important maybe in a minute. And then we measure the thing that most people are familiar with, which is bandwidth. Um, so that is, you know, how many bytes can you push through, um, you know, in bits per second, um, it, in both from the ground server to the plane and from the plane to the ground. Um, and most people are not aware of the fact that those two, if you'll allow me to use the term pipe, that that pipe size is different in most cases where the information flowing to the plane actually has more bandwidth than from the plane to the ground. And, um, you know, the reason that all of these things are important, so I'll just recap those real quickly. Latency, loss, DNS lookup, and bandwidth. And the, the reason that, um, you know, I think most of those, it's pretty easy to understand why they are important to the passenger experience. 
if um, you know the passenger is loading a web page, for example, if you take any typical web page and you know ESPN.com, you will see that it takes hundreds of exchanges with servers in different locations to get that web page loaded. Uh, you know, there are JavaScript libraries that load, there's images from different places, there's, you know, advertising, you know, that goes on the page. And so um, there, you know, there are many, many, many trips back and forth to make that happen. And so, um, you know, we looked at ESPN, you know, last week. And like 50 different domains were referenced on that page. So if your DNS lookup time, the, the time it takes to convert that URL to an IP address is long, then that makes your page load much you know, slower. And so DNS lookup is the one that most people are least familiar with. But... Latency loss and bandwidth, um, you know, I think they're pretty easy to understand how they affect the passenger experience. And, and if I may, in just measuring those metrics, we can use models that Nut Forecast has developed to project web page load time. The, the thing that people tend to ask the most and have the most difficult under, under, uh, time understanding is how can we turn those metrics into meaningful passenger experience data like uh, web page loading if we don't actually load web pages? Well, it's because we understand what it takes to load the web page in terms of metrics. And when we measure the metrics in the flight, then we can project that performance. You know, you know, that's really interesting um, how you break it down. And it, it was really um, interesting to learn about uh, the, the different, um, you know, unique domains that have to talk to each other to load a web page, not even, in, you know, just in, in the uh, in the air on an airplane, but also on the ground, even if, if you're, you know, using a website like ESPN. Um, I want to ask a follow-up question, though. Uh, you know, w one of the most popular uses of, of in-flight internet and really internet um, even on the ground right now is the use of the internet to enable streaming. Um, and, and I want to ask you about that because, you know, the, the metrics that you mentioned um, are very interesting, but how do, you know, latency and, uh, you know, DNS lookup times you know, how does that impact the the use of in-flight internet for streaming for passengers? Because that's a, you know, on the ground use case or application that's, you know, just going to continue to become more popular over time into the future. Sure. Um, yeah, everybody, you know, loves to, you know, have, um, you know, their, their entertainment. And, you know, many planes offer movies online, you know, that's, that are, that are streamed from a uh, server that's, you know, on the plane, IFE, in-flight entertainment. But as you and I both know, um, you know, people have their favorite shows that they're binging and streaming services are very popular. So a lot of people want to access that streaming content. You know, there, this really falls into like two different camps. 
One is the um, you know traditional streaming from a service like Hulu or Netflix. And as time has progressed, it turns out that those uh, providers have become very, very skilled at compressing video and audio. So, um, and then in the course of streaming, I think we're all familiar with the term buffering. So, you know, that you, it will preload some content. So by today's standards, it actually takes a relatively modest amount of bandwidth somewhere in the three megabit range, maybe to, um, you know, adequately stream. And then your provider knows how big your screen is. They will adjust the resolution for that. And then with, um, you know, loss becomes less of a factor because you are buffering ahead. So unless you have a service interruption that, you know, lasts more than, you know, 30 seconds, you, you probably will be able to stream successfully. Now, that's somewhat affected by how many people on the plane want to stream. Um, but, uh, you know, with the uh, many of the airlines today are upgrading their satellite services to larger bandwidths. And so I think being able to effectively stream, you know, on board in flight will be, be something that's going to become more and more plausible and, and something that's going to be a better experience for most passengers. Now, I will say the second part of that, and sometimes people lump these together, is like video conferencing. Um, if you are video conferencing, which is a video stream, but that requires real time, there's no way to buffer that. And particularly with the kind of latencies that you see with geosynchronous satellites, that's very difficult in a in-flight environment. That's a great point, uh, you know, especially as we've done a couple of recent interviews with some of the next generation satellite players like uh, OneWeb that are, you know, trying to um, conquer or solve that problem. Now, you know, uh, you mentioned earlier quality of ex experience, and uh, we understand that NetForecast is able to provide a quality of experience score that measures and assesses the performance of in-flight internet services and individual passenger sessions. How are these quality of experience scores produced and how can they help inform airlines about how their in-flight internet service is meeting or missing passenger expectations? Well, let's talk about um, you know, how the airline might use them. The, um, the airline has a lot of personnel that are looking at these types of, you know, uh, passenger experience issues. And so if you show them, you know, bandwidth and, you know, latency and all of these numbers and, and you put those on a graph and all of this, I, I think there's very few individuals within an organization like an, an airline that can understand that number. But if you boil it down to one uh, effective metric, uh, you know, then that metric can be charted. It can, uh, you know, you can look at how that metric changes over time for your fleet or for a route or for particular aircraft. And so uh, I think the real value of QOE in a nutshell is that it boils it down to a, a single number. The way that it's produced is by, um, you know, taking those metrics 
for a flight. And then, you know, comparing them to how the, um, you know, expected performance of that network should behave. So if for some reason, you know, latency is much higher, then, you know, that score will go down. If bandwidth is much lower, that score will go down. The uh, advantage of us having taken a lot of time to model how things like um, streaming and web page loading and all of those things work is, is that when two or more of those metrics change in subtle ways, sometimes it can have a, a really significant impact on passenger performance. So the QOE combines those metrics in a way that can reveal problems with performance that are just not apparent by looking at the metrics alone. And, and one other comment on, you know, just looking at the metrics, most people look at what we call downstream bandwidth. That's the number that your cable company tries to sell you. Oh, you know, we've got 100 megabits or we got 400 megabits or whatever it is. But, um, you know, bandwidth and what we call downstream is something that would be traveling from the server to the plane. You know, it, it sounds a little backwards, but that's just the industry definition. But there's also from the plane to the ground. And, and every time you, you know, uh, request something, data, there's an, a two-way exchange that goes back and forth. And so uh, when packets are requested, an acknowledgement has to be sent back to the server that you got them. So you can look at just bandwidth, but most people just look at down bandwidth. And there are other factors that can cause problems. Um, you know, in the last year, three of the four major Internet outages on, you know, in the terrestrial market that have made the news have been because of issues with DNS servers. So um, that's why we think combining all of these into a single number using our modeling is the, the best way to put something on a chart or on a dashboard that would be meaningful to the airlines. Right, it is, it's really interesting to learn, you know, just how much, how many different components, uh, you know, networks and, uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes applications and services have to occur to make that, you know, website appear on your iPhone and, you know, seat 12A. Um, now, can, can you kind of give us an example of maybe one or two unique problems that a quality of ex experience score might help to identify, such as, either, you know, problematic aircraft equipment or maybe geographical areas that are served or associated with a in-flight internet network? Well, uh, sure. The, um, you know, as far as separating what goes on from um, uh, the plane, you know, problem on the plane is a problem on the ground. Uh, that is something that we normally do by using a variety of servers on the ground. Uh, we try to understand for which particular airline and uh, satellite provider where their ground stations are. We have a, a, a network of uh, probes that we use to monitor you know, traffic on the ground for you know, our terrestrial-based products. 
And so by combining that information with the information that we get from the airline, we can, in a lot of cases, determine if there's like excess latency in the satellite provider's private network, or if, you know, uh, um, there's an issue with higher latency, if the ground station happens to be, you know, on the East Coast as opposed to the West Coast, Uh, you know, a lot of these ground stations, um, for several technical reasons are in the Midwest. And so, you know, we can, we can isolate things in those ways. Um, we are very interested in the geographic areas. And so as we collect data, we, we do know the location of the plane. And so rather than creating a score based on the data from one plane's flight, we can say, oh, you know, we can apply the same analysis to all the flights that pass through, for instance, like one GPS grid, one degree latitude by one degree longitude, um, you know, for a month. And then we can, we can and do display that on a map that says, oh, you know, in this area, you know, it appears that QOE scores are lower than expected. So, um, you know, geographic analysis is definitely a big part of, of how we, we look at the data. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, um, one of the things that often comes up in interviews we do on the podcast is how, you know, in-flight internet service, you have to remember that the, the aircraft is always moving, unlike, you know, when you're on the ground and, you know, kind of maybe using the internet at home, you're just kind of a, a fixed target. Uh, now, as more airlines equip with connectivity, uh, you know, we've seen a couple in the news here recently, the the, the big uh, Hawaiian Airlines uh, Starlink announcement earlier this year, Spirit Airlines recently turned on their in-flight internet. Um, are you starting, you know, are you seeing more increased demand for providing quality of experience scores, you know, a way to measure the actual in-flight internet experience from airlines? Yes, I, I, we certainly are. And I think, what you're alluding to is a good point. Um, you know, some people are, are interested in knowing the current state and how, you know, day-to-day operations are going. Others are, you know, um, are upgrading their network. And, you know, there are, am I getting what I'm paying for? Is the uh, money that I'm spending to upgrade my aircraft, you know, translating into better passengers experience. Um, you know, you mentioned OneWeb, you um, uh, mentioned uh, the Hawaiian Airlines, who I believe is going to be using Starlink. Right. So there's a, you know, a fundamental physics advantage to low earth as opposed to geosynchronous satellites. Um, geosynchronous satellites have a, a minimum uh, latency just based on physics of five to 600 milliseconds. But uh, we have been testing Starlink, you know, for some of our terrestrial, you know, work for some time. And, uh, you know, latencies are definitely lower. Um, so we're, we're still, we, that is one statement we can make. Latency is definitely lower. We're still looking at it in terms of, you know, service interruptions and, and we have yet to, um, you know, test that in flight. So, but we're looking forward to doing that. Interesting. 
Well, Alan, you know, before we let you go, is there anything, um, you know, particular in the market that, you know, uh, yourself and the net forecast, uh, you know, when it comes to in-flight internet service and, and, and airlines equipping with connectivity, any particular factors or, you know, trends in the market that you'll be particularly focused on maybe over the next uh, six to 12 months or so? Well, definitely, you know, new tech, new emerging technologies, as we have discussed, and, um, you know, I think the advantage that we have, you know, some, some providers have multiple satellite providers or, you know, they're converting part of their fleets to, you know, newer technologies or whatever. I think the advantage uh, that we have and the thing that we're interested in, any, any particular provider is going to provide you some information on their network. But if you need to compare between the networks, then you need somebody who can take measurements independently. And I think that's where we fit in. And I think that that is a trend that, um, you know, because of the expense and because of logistical reasons, I don't think that any airline is in a position to completely convert all of their planes overnight. So, um, you know, since the industry is changing, I think there'll, there's, um, you know, a lot of things that we're interested in is, you know, how that performance increases um, and, uh, you know, the magnitude of that improvement as the airlines, you know, improve their equipment and their services. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on the Apple iOS podcast app or any smartphone or tablet podcasting application. Feel free to rank and comment on our podcast as well to let us know how we can improve. It also helps others find the podcast. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Connected Aviation Intelligence Podcast.